Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Mon, good morning Lyle. Good morning Mon. How, how are you? I'm good. I was about to ask you yeah. how you were. I have a, I'm amazing today. Oh really? How come? Well it's the beginning of the week. Is it really? Ah, well, this sure? is, oh, that's a good question. Is it? Is it or isn't it? Which day of the week is it? Well, it depends. We, we, we don't know. I mean, I know what We're day confused. I'm existing on, but I don't know what what day our listeners are listening on. Because this is the delayed broadcast. And if you don't want to listen to the delayed broadcast, if you'd listen to like to listen to the live show, uh, I had a new caller coming through today who was listening to the live show. That was great. But uh, online. But if you'd like to listen to the live show on, live show online, faithfm.com.au or the TuneIn app app on your mobile device are your answers. Both very easy to use, by the way. Super easy. Don't know why more people don't do it. And then you can be up to date. You can get the the current news. You can get the current good news. You can answer the quiz and win the prize and get the giveaway. Perfect signal wherever you are on the world. Like It's just great. I don't know why more people don't listen to it. I had somebody the other day complaining, oh, I live on the edge of the signal and the signal's a bit scratchy and it's weak. I'm like, oh, use the tuning app. Oh, yeah. (laughs) My car doesn't have a blue Bluetooth, it's too old for that. And I'm like, does it have a tape player? That's right. You know, because if you've got a tape player, just get a tape insert and plug it into your phone. And there you go. Yeah, it's actually very easy. Problem solved. It costs you about $2 off eBay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very easy. Very cheap and easy. But uh, by the way, once you download the TuneIn app, you do have to search for Faith FM Australia and you can add it to your favorites list. It's so easy. the only one on my favorites list. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's how to set it up. What have we got coming up in the show today? Uh, All kinds of good things coming up in the show. There is some daily fluff that is not fluff. Yeah, it's not fluffy at all. It's actually, I don't know, maybe, I've never touched one. Is it maybe slimy? I'm going to go with rubbery. Oh yeah, rubbery. That's a good, yeah. But super cute. Yeah, super cute, super cute. Unbelievably cute. I've put it up on our Facebook, yeah. Congratulations, Omaha Zoo, for their latest edition. Uh Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be talking about the United States. A very interesting story coming out of the United States that looks into the role secret societies are playing in the highest levels of politics within the United States. I really actually enjoyed that one. It was uh, very interesting. We we know all about about. this because we've already done all this and spoken about them. Yes, indeed. Actually, you have a long list of good news stories this morning. Oh, I shared so much good news this morning. I couldn't believe. Yeah, it was great. Lots of good stuff. This is the best thing about Monday is you get into work on Monday and you log on and you find out there's been so many good things just piling up over the weekend. So, yeah, it definitely makes Monday a better day. And, of course, we're going to talk about the early church and we're going to talk about the importance of community. So stay mm. tuned for that section in our Encounter with God. Stay tuned for the whole program. You're listening to Faith FM. Life have gone by. 
there with I'll Fly Away, a uh, local artist to us here in the Hunter region. Mm, yeah, it's a wonderful local artist here. So what do we work for the uh, quiz today, Mon? You got one up on social media yet? Yes, I do. I already have the first clue for our quiz gone out. Okay, so if you want to get ahead of the team, ahead of the ahead of the uh, the Good, competition, yeah. you can find our, you can often find our, our clues going up on uh, our Facebook Twitter and Instagram. So follow yes. us there and you can be ahead of everyone else. Well, particularly on Instagram, so our Insta handle is faithfmlive, all lowercase one word. And uh, if you jump on there and watch our Insta story, and uh, and you will see our, our clues going up there ahead of time. But today's quiz is a what city am I quiz. And the first clue for this city is Demetrius, the silversmith who made shrines of Artemis, dwelt here. That's such an easy one. So you already know the answer. Come on. <laughs> That's an easy one. Okay. If you think Starting you know the answer, if you think you know the answer, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. It's 1-800-324-843. Of course, you can message us through social media if that's easier. But yeah, it, but you know, I thought we better have an easy one because, you know, it is it is Monday. And speaking of Monday, did you survive Friday the 13th last week without any? I did. I did. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone put up a meme that had me laughing. They were like, Friday the 13th is still better than Monday the whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, too true. Love it. <laughs> well, um, as the Dutch did their research, they found out that Friday the 13th was the safest day to do anything. Yeah, because everyone's paranoid. Because everyone's paranoid and being Super safe. Super careful <laughs> staying home. <laughs> like, oh, not do <laughs> oh, Lyle, I have some good news stuff for you today. That's good. I am ready for good news on a Monday morning. I have quite a bit of it, actually. I'm just trying to pick and decide which ones to do. Okay, how about this one? So a three-year-old has saved her father's life. Okay. Yeah, would you believe? Um, She's been hailed as a hero because she used FaceTime to call for help after her father um, had a heart attack at home. Mm, And um, Yeah, which is incredible because, you know, I think a lot of people complain these days that our kids, they can barely have conversations, but they know how to turn on the computer and log in. Yeah, their phone. (laughs) Yeah. So um, Trevor McCabe, he was 27 27 years old. He was at home with his daughter, Molly, and uh, when he suffered a stroke. And she, yeah. He's too young for that. Uh, yeah, twenty. I know, I know, it's crazy, and uh, and so his daughter Molly used her dad's phone to call her mum at work using FaceTime. So she did a FaceTime call, and um, and she said, you know, daddy's gotten sick, and then she showed me that she showed her mum dad lying on the ground, and uh, and so of course um, the mother called triple zero emergency uh, crews, and they rushed to the dad and saved his life. So. Mm. 
That's, so that was yeah. right here in Australia. Yeah, yeah, which is incredible because, you know, I, I, I'm. Because you're about to say nine one one, but then you said yeah, triple I zero. Yeah, I know, I know. I think nine one one actually works, doesn't it? Um, well, one, so many people have tried to call it because well, they've been watching too much American yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah, like the Heimlich maneuver. <laughs> um, but yeah, one two two is actually the international um, emergency number. Okay, and that'll work in no matter what country you're in. Country. Yeah. So I usually. Um, when I go to say triple zero, I always want to say one, two, two, <laughs> because I'm like, why do we bother remembering all the different countries? Yeah, just, just have one, one for the whole world. I know. It's so much easier. So one, two, two, everyone. One, two, two. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, I got some more good news. Um, uh, this, this was actually kind of cool. So a mother has read lecture notes to her blind daughter for four years um, while her daughter did her degree. Oh, wow. That's yeah. a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. So this is, this is in Turkey. So Turkish mother, um, she read lecture notes for four years uh, while her daughter went through law school. And would you believe, um, because you know how oftentimes you can actually employ someone to do that. They can, they can come with you to lectures and they can take notes for you if you can't, you know, see the notes. And, and then um, afterwards they help you study. And so she did this for her daughter. Mm-hmm. I don't know if in Turkey they have uh, a system like, like we do here in Australia where you can um, get someone to help you with that. And, uh, and now that her daughter's graduated, the university has surprised her by giving her an honorary degree alongside her daughter. Oh really? Yeah, because they're like you know oh, what? Fantastic! They're like yeah, you've basically done, done the, the whole course. Yeah, yeah. So which is amazing because she's just gotten a free law degree. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> all sad. And that's great for a country like Turkey, which has yes. in recent times taken a step back into um, towards conservative mm-hmm. Islam and repression of women. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Actually, I want to tell you another cool story. Um, you've probably heard recently how they um, are allowing women to drive over in um, Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. So and there has been a big a bit of backlash, unfortunately, from, you know, I guess conservative citizens of that country, particularly uh, conservative men, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, backlashing. And so Saudi Arabian police... I don't know how they have a law against that because, I mean, the uh, the Quran was written a long time before... Cars. Cars. Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, the Saudi Arabian police have decided, you know what, enough of this. They have set up... Um, a little system at like their checkpoints where they give out flowers to any woman driving past. Oh, is that so? Yeah, so they stop all the women. They give. That's them. definitely giving Isn't a. That beautiful. Uh, that's, that's definitely giving a uh, a very powerful message. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I love that the that the police, like a you know, yeah, 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 like the government body is actually doing this. So I'm gonna put that one up on social media. I think because it's a beautiful. I've got a picture here of a Saudi Arabian policeman um, handing a woman a, a little bouquet of flowers through her car window as she's sitting there driving for the first time in her life. So, yeah, I think that's beautiful. <laughs> they still have the uh, death penalty for drink driving over there? Oh, I don't, I don't know. But yeah, you wouldn't want to chance that, would you? <laughs> no, I think I, I, they certainly used to in the past. But I don't know whether it's still the same or not. I have another sweet story for you. This one's really, really lovely. I wish I would, was part of this one. So, there was a, a couple that wanted to have a beach wedding just this weekend gone. Uh, since Cynthia Struck and her husband, Shannon, and they were having... Um, a wedding in Pascagoula in Mississippi. And, oh. Uh, yeah. And I was going to say, they should have had it here because we had such a sunny weekend. Oh, it would have been a perfect weekend to have it here in Newcastle. <laughs> but uh, she, they, the guests and the um, bridal party had arrived at the location, but unfortunately there was heavy rains and thunder and lightning, and it was just so horrific that no one was getting out of their cars, not even the bridal party. Mm-hmm. So they're wondering what... It's not a great idea to be standing on a beach yeah, no. with lightning. No, 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 especially with like a large body of people around. 
it. And uh, yeah, I've, I've been swimming in Mississippi at the beach in Lightning. Was it was not my smartest moment. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm surprised you're still here, Lyle. <laughs> and uh, and they were sitting there, just all you know, everyone's wondering and waiting what to do. And then a neighbour who had been observing this, um, who owned a beach house, and I, I must say from the pictures, a fabulous beach house, um, came to the rescue and she went up to the bride's door and uh, and knocked on the window and invited them to have the entire wedding in her beach house. I'm going to put some pictures up of this beach house because this beach house is nothing yeah, to yeah, yeah. sniff that's, at. That's, that's, that's not your Look average at beach this. house. <laughs> that is As not your average beach house. Beautiful. It looks like smicker than any hotel I've ever seen. And, uh, and so they just invited the couple in <clears throat> and said, come and have your wedding in here. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. That would be so much fun too. What a great what a great thing to do. Make their day special and uh <clears throat> and just, just to have a happy time together. That was that that would be just I have very to admit special. I would I wouldn't mind having my wedding in this house. Like this is a beautiful oh, yeah. house. Oh yeah, that'd be that'd be a beautiful place to And they've there. even like set up chairs for them and everything. They managed to rustle up a few mis um you know, mismatched chairs and downstairs in the uh and the foyer, I guess it is, have set up, you know, chairs for all the guests. And it look, to be honest, it looks like this was what the wedding was planned to be like. Sure, you yeah, could, it does. You couldn't tell that it was, you know, a, 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 take, a take two, a, a plan B, <laughs> so A to plan speak. B thrown together within, you know, two or three minutes. Just, uh, <laughs> just get out there and do it. And Lyle, can I do another couple? Can I, I've got one minute and a half. Let yep. me do one more. Okay. Check out what's recently been born. Oh, no. Isn't it another hippo? This is a baby pygmy hippo. It's not just any hippo. It's a baby pygmy hippo. It is so cute. I'm definitely putting this one up on social media. So this little fellow was just recently born and uh, he's absolutely adorable. And he he only comes up like, what's that? Like just past your ankles? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just so adorable. Definitely an ankle biter right there. Yeah. So we're going to put up some pictures. That'll be, I don't know if you could call it weekly fluff. Because he's not really fluffy. No, he's not fluffy. He's kind of wet and slimy, and yeah, but <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely gets the cute factor happening right there. Yeah, absolutely. Can I, can I just do one more? Oh, one more, whatever. One yeah, okay. more good right, news right, story. Right, There's right, so right, many right. good ones. Okay, so this is a this is a good news story coming um, from a, a a veteran. So. Um, uh, a war veteran, mm-hmm. and uh, he was, you know, often veterans come back and they struggle to find work. You know, they have um, post-traumatic stress disorder, and uh, and this guy, he was a self-starter. He decided that he was going to uh, run a, a, a veteran-run landscaping business. So it wasn't just for him, it was for other vets as well. Mm-hmm. And so he was not only helping himself but helping his fellow um, uh, war heroes. And, uh, and unfortunately, all their stuff got stolen. So all like their lawn mowers, um, their push mowers, their ride-on mowers, everything got robbed. Oh, um, no. Yeah, absolutely everything. And uh, and so they didn't know it, but a non-for-profit organization called Soldiers Wish had heard about their predicament and uh, and they had begun rallying people. And uh, and people came out of the woodwork wanting to help and they just raised enough money. Like I think it was like overnight they got together $15,000 and bought shiny new equipment for these men. And like, look how techie, look how comfy that chair oh, yeah, is yeah. on that lawnmower. <laughs> anyway, That's so nice. much good news happening over the weekend. I love Monday because it's just blooming with good news. But stay tuned. This is Incredible Grace, a love that will not let me go.
was Indelible Grace. Oh, love that will not let me go here on Faith FM. And before we get to some more serious news stories, Mon, do we have another clue for our queen? Yes, I'm nervous about this one because I can't pronounce it for the life of me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome. We get to make fun of Mon this morning. I'm, I'm interested to see how this is pronounced. But what city am I? The Jews and Greeks in this city were seized with fear after hearing how a demon attacked the seven sons of Seva? Sekva? Skiva. Skiva, of course. Skiva. Of course it's Skiva. Yeah, of course it's Skiva. I haven't actually got the foggiest idea how it's pronounced. That's how I, how I have always pronounced it because it just sounds sinister. Well, if it's good for you, it's good for me. There you go. Okay, so um, the story I've been following um, closely is the recent nomination to the Supreme Court in the United States. Mm-hmm. And there's a number of reasons why I've been following this one. I did mention it the other day during our news segment. Why don't come back and talk a little bit more about it in depth um, because there are some, some some significant things that we need to take note of, particularly when we consider um, the makeup of the Supreme Court. Now, for those who are unfamiliar with the uh, system in the United States, you know, your Congress makes laws, your president signs them into law, and then your Supreme Court comes along and interprets the law. Mm-hmm. And so the Supreme Court is the most powerful body out of all three of um, your, your three levels of government in the US because any court lower than the Supreme Court, which is all courts, are bound by the decisions of the Supreme Court. And so, in effect, your Supreme Court becomes a legislative body of its own. Oh, okay. The, the challenge with it, of course, is that um, you've got nine um, chief justices. None of them are elected. So this is not a democratic system. Mm-hmm. They are appointed by the president. Um, they're appointed for life, so they don't get you know booted out or anything like that. They they are they are there to stay once they are in, and so you've got a non democratic body with really the ultimate power in the United States. And as a result of this, if you look at the history of the United States Constitution and how it has been eroded um, over time, it has primarily been eroded by decisions made by the Supreme Court. Now, this is all very significant, particularly when you look at Revelation chapter 13 and the role that the United States plays in Bible prophecy in Revelation 13. You know I love to get into yeah, Revelation yeah, 13. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, maybe one of these days we'll have more time where we can go into Revelation 13 and we can look at the two beasts there, which symbolize two nations um, working in coalition with each other and see where they fit in and how they actually work together. But essentially you've got, um, you know, you've got the Vatican and the United States working uh, hand in hand and um, in some of the major events that take place at the end of time. And the Bible describes the United States as speaking like a dragon. Um, and we look at the United States today. It's not hard to see that in our world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that was not the case when you know people were st- first studying these prophecies from the Bible. Okay, so coming back to the Supreme Court, you know, if we look back over um, really since the 1980s, You've had a major change in the direction of the Supreme Court towards the Constitution, mm-hmm. particularly in relationship to religious liberty. So we've had a, a a reduction in religious liberty by the Supreme Court almost to the point that it doesn't really exist. So like we have here in Australia, in our Constitution, we have Section 116 of our Constitution that gives us religious liberty. But it doesn't actually exist. It hasn't existed since you know the 1920s. Uh-huh. Uh, because of you know decisions by the High Court in Australia and so forth, it's just been completely done away with, and that's why we've got Philip Ruddock right now heading up the commission to look into uh, religious liberty in Australia because we have no legal framework for religious liberty in this country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's always been assumed because it was placed in our constitution, uh, but it's not actually there in any kind of uh, legal. Um, 
legal manner. Th- that doesn't mean that we it's illegal to be religious. It just means there's no laws protecting your choice yeah, to that's be right. religious. There's no, no laws protecting you living by your conscience. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and, and you know we've 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 seen some uh, rather glaring um, examples of that in recent times. Now, so that's that's interesting on one side. Now, if we look at the relationship between the Vatican and the United States, when the United States wrote their constitution, it was a major threat uh, to the Vatican at that particular time because of the stand that they took on religious liberty, um, freedom of conscience. Um, they, they, the, um, you know, their, 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 their amendment, which deals with, you know, uh, the fifth amendment, which, which deals with, you know, not allowing the use of torture, of course, was against the whole concept of the inquisition. Mm-hmm. And so the Vatican wrote, um, you know, and several popes wrote very strongly against it. They, uh, it, it was included in a syllabus of errors put out by Pius the ninth, uh, Leo the 13th wrote, um, an encyclical letter against it. Um, this caused you know the the United States to break up all, all diplomatic ties with the Vatican. Wow! And it meant that in the Supreme Court, um, the chief justices were Protestants, mm-hmm. and they made up a Protestant majority through until 1994, from its very beginning. So there's been 214 um, chief justices, and um, and of course up until 1994, though it was is primarily Protestant. It took 50 years before a Roman Catholic was elected to that body. It took another 58 years from that point until there was another one. Wow. It took 127 years before the per- first uh, person who was Jewish was elected, or was nominated, I should say, mm-hmm. to the Supreme Court. The interesting thing is that from 2010 until now, mm-hmm. there has not been a single Protestant on the Supreme Court. Are you serious? The past eight years has not been a single Protestant. That's a that's a major change in direction. Oh, huge! Um, and of course, Roman Catholics make up about twenty percent of the population of the United States, and it's actually um, a, a population that is reducing. But they have held the majority on the Supreme Court for a long, long time. So now you've got uh, six Roman Catholic, three Jewish um, on the Supreme Court. And no Protestant evangelicals there at all. That 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 that's most interesting. Now, particularly if we look at um, you know the the recent um, nomination of um, of uh, Kavanaugh, mm-hmm. um, who of course is uh, Jesuit trained, mm-hmm. which brings up a whole other subject because the Jesuit order was a secret society, you know, formed by Ignatius Loyola mm-hmm. as a paramilitary organization. Mm-hmm. Um, to focus on education and to focus on changing the world through education, mm-hmm. and you know, um, and, and of course they've been very successful at that. They now have their own their own pope in power. This was an organisation that we need to remember became so powerful and so truly bloodthirsty that in um, seventeen seventy six it was actually banned by the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah. Well. Yeah, that was it. Was kind of like their own paramilitary organization, and they had to ban it because of the just got out of, of the political turmoil mm-hmm. that it was creating mm-hmm. around the world, and uh, and and now we find that it is dominating in both Vatican and United States politics. So it got banned, but it certainly didn't obey the ban. No, well, how do you ban a secret society? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and you know, sorry, Brett Kavanaugh not, um, was the uh, yeah the name of the. The new Chief Justice. And so I find this very interesting uh, as an observer to Mm -hmm. see the changes taking place here. 
You've got a Roman Catholic Church that is moving to the left under Francis. You've got a United States government that is moving to the right. And yet you've got, you know, left-wing Jesuits, well, not so much, you know, but Jesuit-trained mm-hmm. um, um, Supreme Court justices that are being elected. And it's like, hmm, this is interesting, particularly in relationship to Revelation 13. What is it that is actually going on here? Mm-hmm. Now, of course, America has historically been very staunchly Protestant. There's only ever been one um, Roman Catholic president. That was um, John Kennedy. And there's only ever been one uh, Roman Catholic vice president, uh, Joe Biden. And, uh, of course, his son was a, uh, um, a lobbyist for um, you know, um, uh, Scranton Jesuit University in the United States. Mm-hmm. And you know, you've got a lot of interesting connections here. Mm-hmm. It's, if you enjoy, if you enjoy a good conspiracy theory, this is um, this is this is where to where to really get things going. Now, of course, it was Ronald Reagan back in the um, 1980s who restored diplomatic relations with the Vatican, mm-hmm. which is a whole interesting story in itself. Because how do you have diplomatic relations with a church? Yeah, that's right. You know, this is the only church. That any country, and I should say every country, just about has diplomatic relationships with, um, you know, your you, Uniting Church, your Adventist Church, your you know whatever church you want to mention that is out there, your AOG or whatever it might be, you don't have diplomatic relationships with them. But yeah, this, is, no. this is a political entity. This is actually a state, and that was restored for the purpose of using Poland to bring down communism. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think communism was a terrible thing and it was, uh, I was certainly didn't shed any tears over seeing it disappear. But at the same time, it sets a dangerous precedent of uniting church and state together, which the Bible says will take place just before Jesus comes back. This is Jaden Lavick. Tis so sweet.
Back everybody, that was Jaden Lavick with "Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus" here on Faith FM, and we have a clue for our quiz just before we go to our guest interview. Yeah, so, so what city am I? Quiz. The next clue being: believers who had once practiced sorcery in this city publicly confessed evil deeds and burned their magic scrolls. Mm-hmm. What city is that? Okay, if you know the answer, you know the number. Give us a call, 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. Well, I'm very excited, Mon. We have on the phone today, uh, joining us for our interview of the day, is Anne Woolridge. Now, Anne is the general... Oh, that sounded something went wrong in my ears right then. But anyway, Anne is the general manager for AdSafe. Uh, that's the organisation responsible for, responsible for child safety within the Adventist Church in Australia and New Zealand and the South Pacific. Now, um, we have talked quite a bit in recent times, and we've got a couple more new segments to, to do on this, I'm sure, uh, about child safety and particularly inst- institutional child sex abuse. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the Catholic Church um, leads it in the media. You know, it's always out there. Mm-hmm. But what I wanted to find out is, you know, no church is immune from it. So I wanted to talk to, you know, the head of our organization and get some questions from Anne. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thanks for, for the invitation. Yeah, wonderful. Now, the uh, the Royal Commission into Institutional Child Sex Abuse um, concluded just over six months ago. Um, we've been keenly following those events. Was the was the Adventist Church a part of that investigation, a part of that process? Yes, well, the Royal Commission um, actually conducted is probably one of the highest levels of inquiry into such matters. So the SDA Church was involved. Um, whilst the SDA wasn't involved in a public inquiry per se, many survivors from our church provided their stories in what's called private sessions mm-hmm. to the Commission. Okay, now were you personally involved in this process? No, I was not. Okay. Now there was. I understand there was um, you know, more than eight thousand survivors who testified, um, you know, before the, the the commission. How many? Um, how many of these were from religious institutions? Yeah, the work of the Royal Commission has identified that fifty nine percent of those who provided their stories in private sessions were from religious institutions. Okay, so that's a um, quite a significant because this is all institutions, but. Um, a majority there from religious institutions, which should, you know, that really does um, give us concern because religious institutions should, you know, be where 
children have a higher level of protection. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. Um, if nearly half um, were not from church-based institutions, why do we only hear about the church-based abuse in the media and, of course, you know, mostly the Catholic Church? Yeah, good question. I mean, I suppose when we do the, the maths that, you know, 59% uh, were survivors from religious institutions. So that's sort of, you know, sort of approximately 41% of the remaining survivors mm. who reported their abuse were from non-religious child-related institutions, such as, you know, government, other secular institutions, YMCA, Swim Australia, Scouts Australia, Yoga Ashrams and the like. So it's still a significant statistic, but... Um, you know, essentially, church-based abuse has been overrepresented in the media due to the gross and sustained abuse within our churches collectively. So I say that collectively. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we've all done, unfortunately, a poor job of protecting children and the vulnerable within our in, in our environments. So, um, yeah, I think, and we've heard a lot about the Catholic Church, I suppose, because you know, in a recent article that I was reading, um, basically, you know, we're talking about. Um, with the Catholic Church, I suppose their presence <laughs> more so than than others is because of you know what seemed to be from whether it's media perception and reality and aspect of reality that there's been a widespread um, sort of you know criminally concealed sex abuse problem within the church mm-hmm. and um, the failings of them to I suppose be transparent and sort of own it to say that yes this is a problem within our organisation and I suppose you know for want of a better expression but perhaps sweeping it under the carpet for too long and um, you know, and society as a whole is not tolerating that. I mean, when you look at our school systems, they've been very heavily child protection compliant for many decades. So, you know, why has it taken a long time for religious institutions to jump on board in this regulatory environment, um, considering that we've always known about the necessity to, you know, protect children, whether we're talking from a regulatory compliance perspective or we're talking from, you know, um, you know, biblical verses, you know. So um, it's it's very evident that we need to be the guardians and the safe keepers of children. Yeah, yeah, sure. So in the interest of transparency, um, you know, how many Adventists, Seventh-day Adventists or people from Seventh-day Adventist institutions made submissions to the Royal Commission? Yeah, of the 8,000 um, private hearings of survivors' stories of abuse, 0.3% were from SDA Church. And I, I want to sort of preface it here that 0.3% when you are looking at holistically 59% were from religious institutions, 37% um, were attributed to the Catholic survivors, um, but SDA is only 0.3%. However, that number is still statistically significant because when you're comparing um, these percentages with the numbers of membership, so not, mm. notwithstanding that these statistics are only representative of those survivors who were brave enough to come forward and tell their story. Sure. It is unknown how many other survivors are out there, but what we do know from the experts that a survivor's journey is onerous and challenging and not all of them will actually come forward. The Royal Commission stated that on average it took survivors 22 and a half years to disclose their abuse. Mm. So with the Catholics, I mean, you know, when we're talking about percentages, because, you know, they represented 37% of that um, religious institution um, abuse uh, caused within their um, organisation. They've got a membership base of just over 5 million people Australia-wide. And so um, I'm doing the math. I'm, I'm just I'm sorry if anyone's into mathematics. Yeah, so a per, cap- a per capita rate. <laughs> yeah, so if we, we did per capita rate, like of 5 million um, members in the Catholic Church, then that equates to 1,746 Catholic survivors who were brave enough to come forward. 
And when we compare that with SDA, we had 189 survivors who were brave enough to come forward. And we've got a membership base of 60,000. So the Catholics are sort of one person abused per 2,800 members. The SDA comparison is one person per 317 members. Mm. So it's quite an alarming statistic. That is very alarming. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you personally feel about that? Um. Well, my personal things, I mean, I try to obviously um, sort of differentiate between my personal opinions and, um, you know, my professional um, standing, I suppose, but oh. I can't help but be affected by these numbers. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, across Australia as a whole, really, because of my 27 years' experience in tr- different child protection organisations, and um, it's alarming, but I also look at the work of the Royal Commission and I think, you know, wow, what exciting times ahead for our church, as well as other faith-based organisations and child-related organisations per se, to actually make a significant difference, make a a long-lasting legacy where, you know, we'll never be able to achieve 100% um, safety, however, we can work towards zero, and and I think, you know, we need to keep that in mind, but no, I am... Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Mm. Now, have any Adventist, ch- Adventist clergy been convicted as a result of the Royal Commission um, or are you expecting uh, further convictions, um, more people to um, to be arrested as a result of uh, findings of the Royal Commission? Yes. Um, yes, we have had Adventist pastors, ministers and elders convicted um, of child sex-related offences in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure of, you know, what's going to come in the future. However, I hazard a guess that, you know, we will continue to see these matters arise. Mm. Um, whether they eventually proceed to a conviction, um, you know, is yet to remain, you know, sort of tested. And that's um, fraught with a lot of challenges those processes because, you know, sometimes there's not enough evidence because of the lapse in time. Sure. Um, you know, there may be decades between when the abuse has occurred to when it's disclosed. Um, it may be that it's, you know, just too difficult a journey for a survivor to undertake to proceed with criminal, um, you know, proceedings. Having been an ex-police officer myself and um, dealt with matters in this regard, it is very taxing not only on the survivor but on their family as well. Mm. They're almost like a secondary, you know, victim of this um, process. Sure. Um, I suppose uh, going back to your question, I'm unable to disclose the number of all SDA historical files. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, unable to disclose the number of all um, of how many that have been convicted per se, sure. because all of our files are currently being reviewed by an independent law firm to ensure mm-hmm. that all our reporting obligations, investigations have been conducted in an appropriate manner. Mm-hmm. And since ADSAFE commenced in January 2017, it has received reports of either current or historical abuse pretty much on a weekly basis. Right. Right. So as a result of the important work of the Royal Commission, the increased awareness in society of the abhorrence of child sexual abuse has increased. That's the increase in reporting by either survivors or their relatives. Yeah. That, that actually um, raises an interesting question um, that, that we need to dig into, and that is, um, and, and, and I'll jump to this, is um, you talked about being audited by an independent um, law firm. How much independence does AdSafe itself have? Like, are, are, are the members of AdSafe, are you members of the Adventist Church? Um, and if so, does this... Would that create a conflict of interest? How does how does the how do we maintain in, independence with an organisation like this? Yeah, sure. Um, AdSafe is an independent company governed by its own board of directors, and it's been set up by the SDA Church in response to the work of the Royal Commission to have a more intentional response to children, um, child protection of vulnerable persons concerns. It is funded by the church conferences to adhere to its um, constitution. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and essentially in the church manual, the SPD supplement makes reference to AdSafe making recommendations for, and for other church entities to adhere to these. So there's quite a level of authority and um, autonomy that AdSafe does hold. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's always in close liaison with other stakeholders. However, um, you know, it is our duty at AdSafe to um, undertake our you know, reporting obligations and discharge those reporting obligations to other regulatory authorities, uh, whether that's matters of historical abuse that need to be reported to police because they're serious indictable offences. Um, because, you know, um, in recent you know times in the media with Archbishop Wilson, yes. that uh, it's very imperative that you know, we do discharge our reporting obligations, um, whether we're aware of something that's occurring now or indeed if it's happened in the past. So there's, you know, um, I suppose, you know, in terms of being governed by a board, you know, we're um, we're liable for the decisions that are made uh, on behalf of AdSafe and for the church, the greater church. Mm-hmm, and uh, we indeed need to be transparent and we need to show good working um, records and documents of all the work that we do. Sure. Now, the, um, the the National Redress Scheme, you know, the Catholics, the Anglicans, the Salvos, the Scouts, the YMCA and probably others have um, all opted in to the National Redress Scheme. Um is the Adventist Church considering opting in, or do we have a redress scheme of our own? What 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 are what are what was what is our position there? This is a question that uh, I, I promised that I would ask, and we were looking for an answer. <laughs> no, and I'm I'm pleased that you have because you know, whilst you know, with child protection, there's always quite a, a focus on offender management and uh, investigations, and whilst you know they're necessary and um, a very integral part of AdSafe. Um, you know, we need to be very survivor focused and, um, you know, and the reason, you know, we have survivors um, within our church or actually sometimes quite disengaged from our church is because we do ha- have had offenders in the past and unfortunately still currently, um, you know, abusing people within our church environment. Mm-hmm. So, um, so redress is another important extension of our survivor um, services section of AdSafe. And currently AdSafe is working on a substantial document which has been informed from legal experts and other faith-based organisations who have indeed already opted into the National Redress Scheme to provide our conference administrators uh, for their consideration for opting in. So, some, you know, some very... Um, good information around, you know, the merits of opting in. Um, it's, it's anticipated that the SCA Church will opt in, mm-hmm. given that many other religious institutions have done so already and also afford survivors with an alternative justice pathway mm-hmm. that, is deemed, that is deemed to be arm's length from the church for those survivors that have disengaged from the church for many years, either as a result of inept or uncaring and cynical responses by church personnel in the past mm-hmm. to their disclosures of abuse or simply, you know, because of the trauma, uh, significant trauma that is li- has lifelong impacts, um, you know, these survivors have lost their faith, unfortunately. Yeah, sure, yeah. And um, so we currently do still have our own internal redress scheme that's operating. It has been yep. um, for some time. So, And we're anticipating that both schemes will run parallel. I mean, there's no finite decision on this yet, but I mean, seriously, I suppose you need to ask the question, you know, why wouldn't an organisation want to opt into the exactly. national redress scheme? And exactly. They're very, compar- they're very comparable. And um, I think that the... You know, the beauty of the national scheme is that for those survivors that really have disengaged from the church, it's going to provide them with that um, arm's length process and still be able to obtain, you know, a recognition or acknowledgement that they were harmed in our church or our wider organisation. They're deserving of an apology and they will receive that and an excratia payment and assistance with counselling. Sure. So very quickly, um, as we are uh, just winding up here, 
Um, yeah. For somebody who is a survivor, um, maybe listening to this show right now um, within the Adventist system, um, what, what, what can you provide? Who, where, how, how should we get in contact with AdSafe? Yeah, sure. Thank you for that. Because, yes, um, you know, I'm very mindful that some of the listeners today have been impacted by, you know, abuse within our organisation, uh, whether it's firsthand or, you know, through somebody else close to them that has been harmed. So, um, you know, our church needs to be more survivor focused. And some survivors, you know, unfortunately, we've learned have taken their own lives. Mm. And those still alive have experienced significant harm and impairment in their lives. So there's been a significant erosion of public trust in churches due to the incidences of child sexual abuse within religious organisations. And the Royal Commission has shed light, you know, on this darkness. And um, our response is to take up the God-given challenge to make our churches safe communities for children and young people. And um, we need to be the active agent of change in this space. So mm. I would encourage anybody who's been listening today, um, if you would like to make contact with our team for support, please do so. For any advice or to make a report, to please contact, contact us at AdSafe. Our um, general reception number, um, am I able to give that? Yeah, yeah absolutely, air? absolutely. Yeah, so it's 02, Sydney-based, 9847 or you can go to our website, www.adsafe.org.au. And thank you so much for joining us this morning. We will put those details up on our social media. And uh, thank you for answering uh, some questions that we have had for quite a, a, a week, a couple of weeks now, really, as, the, as a lot of this um, information has been coming to light. So, um, yeah, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Lila Mon. I really appreciate the opportunity to create more awareness and to um, support survivors on their journey. Thank you so much. That was Anne Woolridge, who is the General Manager for AdSafe, the organisation responsible for child safety within the Adventist Church in Australia and New Zealand and the South Pacific. We're going to move on with Matt Minicus, um, Higher Ground at this time. Pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and I shall stand by faith on heaven's table land. That I have found The Lord plant my feet on higher ground My heart has no desire to stay Where doubts arise and fears dismay Though some may dwell where these abound But my prayer, my aim is higher Lord, lift me up and I shall stand By faith on heaven's table land In a higher plane that I have found Lord, plant my feet on higher
I want to live above the world Though Satan's darts at me are hurled For faith has caught the joyful sound The song of saints on higher ground Lord, lift me up and I shall stand By faith on heaven's table And a higher plane than I have found Lord, plant my feet on higher ground said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. Hey Mon, mm-hmm. do you believe in miracles? Look, if God can change my life, I think I definitely believe in miracles. Okay, so the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church is making a difference in its community. Oh yeah, how? Well, it's worshipping together, loving together, learning together, and above all, preparing for Jesus to return together. Ooh, that sounds good. When's all this happening? Bible studies start at 10 a.m., service at 11 a.m., and guess what that's followed by? Or is it this free lunch I keep hearing about? Absolutely. <laughs> well, please join us at the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Our address is 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, New South Wales. Every Saturday morning where you will be welcomed with a smile. Did you know that God loves you? Yes, He does. He does Did you know that God loves you? Yes, He does Oh, yes, He does He would give His life for you And He did Yes, he is. 
listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.